take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You know, God has been faithful to us even when we've um, struggled in our lives, even when we've had difficulties, even when we may have proven ourselves unfaithful. A few weeks ago, I told you that none of us have arrived, and I am reminded in my life every day that I have not arrived to where I need to be, that there still is, we, we still find areas of growth in even my life and in yours. And sometimes people don't help you along the way, do they? I mean, you're trying to strive, you're trying to do better, you're trying to be nice, you're trying to do all those things, and these people just try to egg you on, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yesterday, minding my own business, reading the scripture, trying to get prepared for Sunday, getting everything together. And what do I receive? A text from the pastor of First Baptist Church Lafayette, Steve Horn, good friend of mine. In that text, there was a picture of a raging Cajun, and he assured me that they would end the day victorious over the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. So... After the game finished last night, I try, I try to be good, and they got people. I text him, and I told him if he didn't like what happened to him yesterday, he could always take a ride with me to Oxford next week when Lafayette plays Ole Miss, and we could see how that goes as well. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey to somehow grow in Christ. And today as we come together, I want to ask you, what type of man are you? Now, I understand the masculine uh, sense of that question. I understand that not all of you are men today, but Leslie t assured me that you ladies would not be offended by my question. You see, it applies to all of us. Whether we're men or women, who are we and what should we be before God? I think as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he speaks about three categories of men and women that you find in this world and even in the churches themselves. And I want you to see these three categories as we work through them. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, Paul continues his conversation about the wisdom of Christ, how it is found in the cross of Christ. And he says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things 
with the spiritual. Now, stop a moment and notice. He speaks about those individuals that can really grasp the wisdom of God. He speaks about these people that are mature. He speaks about the spiritual man. He speaks about those individuals that have come in contact with the Holy Spirit of God and how they have been changed. These are the spiritual men. These are the spiritual women that you find in the church at Corinth. And he says, I am speaking to you. So I want to give to you first this category of the spiritual man. What do you notice about this spiritual man or this spiritual woman? Well, this is what Paul says. Paul says that this man, this woman, has actually experienced the revelation of God through God's Spirit. The revelation of God. Notice what it says as you look in, uh, again, verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. In verse 10 he had said, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. In other words, he says that all of us, as we want to be spiritual men and spiritual women, we are dependent upon God for him to reveal his work and his plan within us. We need God to reveal himself to us. Listen, we cannot know God unless God first demonstrates himself to us and God has revealed himself to us. God is the one that always takes the initiative in our lives, just in the gospel plan itself. Think of it a moment. That here's God, the God of the universe, that sends his one and only son, Jesus, on our behalf. God is the one that takes the first step in salvation. He is the one that takes the initiative in providing for us exactly what we needed. Notice in verse 7, he said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. In other words, God knew exactly what he was going to do before all of creation itself. God knew what he was going to do in order to redeem his people and to bring them into a relationship with him. Listen, God is not reactive. God is proactive. God is not just looking at what happens here on this earth and saying, well, you know what? Maybe I need to get a plan together. God doesn't do that. God knows his plan, and God knows how he's going to work in individuals' lives. Now, most of us are reactive, aren't we? We wait till things happen, and then we gather together a plan. Most of us live in that kind of world. Would you say amen and help me out this morning? Yes, we are. Most of us look at what happens, and then we gauge our response, our reaction to what has happened. But God... God is the one that knew his plan, and God was proactive in that plan, and God took the initiative to bring salvation and to reveal himself to us. Look, we would not truly know who God was except he revealed himself even through the Lord Jesus Christ. We would not know salvation unless God had sent Christ to die on the cross for us and to be resurrected. God was the one that took initiative in our lives. He is the one that revealed himself to us. It is interesting as you read through these verses, in the original language, the word for hidden and the word for revealed is very similar. The word is very similar. You could almost just stumble over it if you're not careful and and try to translate both of those, either hidden or revealed. But what God does is he 
he takes the similarity of those words and he brings the contrast of it to our hearts. He says, there was a time when God's plan was certainly hidden. That is, you didn't know it fully. But what God does is he reveals himself and he works in our lives. So first, the spiritual man experiences the revelation of God. But the spiritual man also has experienced the salvation of God through the Holy Spirit. Again, it says in verse 12, not Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. He says, It is through the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God in our lives, that we have received Him, that we have come to that place of salvation. See, what happens is when God reveals Himself, God calls us to enter into a relationship with Him. And as we respond in faith, then we see salvation in our lives, which has been freely given to us. We allow the Holy Spirit to come and live within us. We're going to talk about this later in the Corinthian letter, but I want you to see that for every individual that comes to that saving knowledge of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within that person, right? You believe that? If you are a believer in Christ then the Holy Spirit resides within you. And he doesn't move in and out. He's, he doesn't check in and out like a hotel room. He comes to set up permanent residence within you and within me. Later, as I said, as we study it a little more in depth, we'll see where it says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God comes to reside and he brings salvation into our lives. And everybody who has believed and trusted in him, we bear the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. There are not two classes of Christians. When I say that, there's not an individual that has the Spirit and that Christian that does not have the Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. But now, Dr. Reggie, I don't think I've truly got it yet. I've been waiting on it for a while that the Spirit would just get a hold of me. Now, now it's different it's different in saying that you're surrendered to the Holy Spirit in your life, right? Because listen, it's not how much of the Holy Spirit you have in your life. It's how much of you that the Holy Spirit has. That's sometimes what you're talking about when you talk about surrender and submission. All of us, if we have believed according to what the New Testament says, all of us have received the Spirit of God and not the Spirit of the world. All of us who believed in Him. So the Spirit lives within us and He guides us. And the spiritual man who has received and experienced revelation and experienced salvation, he also experiences illumination. Illumination. That is that God illuminates our minds and he teaches us and he shows us. Notice it says that it is the Holy Spirit in verse 13, the Holy Spirit that teaches. The Holy Spirit that truly teaches. Now, this morning as we come together in this large group setting, if you would, certainly most of you would say, well, Dr. Reggie is going to teach today. He's going to preach. There should be some teaching in the preaching, right? Dr. James Travis used to say, preaching without teaching is just hollering. That's all it is. <laughs> Needs to be some teaching. So I come today to, to hopefully teach a little bit, and we recognize that. And in a few moments, you're going to go into Sunday school. Aren't you going into Sunday school? 
Oh, you're just blessed people. You're getting better at this. You're going to Sunday school and there are going to be some small groups that people are going to teach you in. And, and that's great that you have these human teachers. But understand that we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to truly illuminate our minds. I can stand and preach and teach. Your Sunday school can, teacher can stand and preach and teach. But you need the Holy Spirit of God which lives within you to truly illuminate you and teach you what you need. And the spiritual man, the spiritual person, he allows the Holy Spirit to teach him and to guide him. That's the spiritual man. We're going to talk more about him in a moment. But let's move on to the next guy that you find in this chapter. Because you move from the spiritual man to the natural man in verse 14. He says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. He says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Get this. There is the natural man. I would say to you that this guy is an unbeliever. He does not have the Holy Spirit of God living within him. He cannot really understand or fathom the work of God and his plan because he's never come to that place of salvation. As a matter of fact, the natural man cannot hear nor can he truly see. He cannot hear nor can he truly see. He can't hear what God is trying to say, or even if he does, he cannot truly see it. He has no discernment about him. He assesses what God says, but he dismisses it. This is a person that it seems that just can't get the plan of God in his life. You, you ever met somebody that you just seem seemed like you couldn't explain anything to? Just, you, you met somebody like that? You're looking at them right now probably around? There's some people it just seems like you can't. I asked Leslie this week, I said, Leslie, I said, tell me something that's hard to explain to people. She said, well, as a fourth grade, fourth grade science teacher, let me tell you about the things you can't explain to people sometimes. I said, baby, we, we don't need all that today. We don't need that negativity. We just need to... But so hard. There's certain things. It just seems like certain people can't get certain things. It's like trying to explain sanity to an LSU fan, right? They don't understand sanity. Trying to, trying to explain a Super Bowl appearance or a 21st century Super Bowl appearance to the Dallas Cowboys. That just doesn't work, does it? Don't understand. He says there are those people, the natural man, that has not been affected by the Spirit, that has not come to salvation. That person does not ex truly understand the work of God and the Spirit of God in their lives. That's what he says. It's as though they cannot... Here, it's as though they cannot see. They do not know them. Verse 14 says, Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There are several times the word know, K-N-O-W, is used throughout this passage. Now I went back. I decided I'd look at those words and see exactly what Paul was saying because there are two or three different words, two or three different terms for the word know in the original language. Some of them can speak about knowing as a matter of fact, just a factual type of knowledge. 
other word, another word speaks about experiential knowledge that you know by experience. Both of these words are used in this chapter. And I know some of my friends who would say, well, Reggie, you're, you're making a little too much out of those two words and the differences between them. But I say to you, if the Holy Spirit chooses two different words and he uses both of those words in this chapter, I think he's trying to say something to us. Otherwise, he just stuck to one word, right? And here, the word that's used in verse 14 says, nor can he know them. The natural man cannot know them. That word there is the word for experiential knowledge. In other words, he cannot know them by experience. All the factual stuff that's out there, perhaps he can hear it, he can assess it, he has some type of intellectual ability, but when it comes down to the experience, he cannot process it. He does not know the work of God and the plan of God. Not truly, because he's never experienced it. There's so many things, again, that you could try to give me the factual knowledge of, but until I experienced it and had somebody to really teach me by experience, there's no way I could ever grasp it. Aviation. Aviation. Let's say that you decide to give me a book on aviation. I'll take that book and I'll begin to study it to the best of my ability. I've been a good student before. I decide I'm going to put in several all-nighters to get this course out of the way and to study it. I finish that book. I come to you and I say, I'd love for you to take a flight with me. I would love for you to get in the plane with me and let me fly you around this great state. We won't go far. We'll just kind of fly around this great state and see different things. And How many of you would love to go with your pastor? You'd say there's no way because you know the factual knowledge, but... Dr. Reggie, you haven't actually been in a plane and you haven't known it by experience. Same would go for engineering. I have no clue about engineering. I have a son that wants to be an engineer one day. I'm proud we're at Tech. Maybe he'll go enjoy it. But I have no idea about engineering. How many of you would, again, like for me to read a book on engineering, design a roller coaster at Disney World, and then you decide you want to be a part of that experience, the first ride. I have no clue. I can't grasp it. I may have factual knowledge, but I don't have the experiential knowledge. And he says here, the natural man, when it comes to the Spirit of God, he can't grasp it fully. Until the Spirit works in his life and takes that initiative and reveals God to him and illuminates his mind and brings him to salvation, until that point, it won't make sense. He's just grasping. He gave us some concrete examples. If you look up in verse 6, for example, verse 8, it says, We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we... Notice he said, the rulers of this age, they did not understand the wisdom of God. In verse 8 it says, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They knew what Jesus said, 
They had heard that. They had heard the message. They had seen Jesus, but yet they had not truly come to, a, to that understanding of Jesus as Christ and Messiah. They had seen the same facts everybody else had seen, but they had not experienced it through the spiritual work of God. I know I'm going to start sounding like a broken record. But that's okay, you've already voted on me, right? I often marvel that we as believers would expect unbelievers to act like a believer. We do it all the time. We grow so frustrated with a culture that's around us. We grow so frustrated with leadership that we see. And we just cannot believe that they would take the positions that they do, that they would act as they do. We just cannot believe it. Why? Well, because, you know, the truth says, I understand that. Well, they should know better. Why? You see, unbelievers will not act like believers until they become believers. Now, there may be some goodness in them. There's some morality. I'm not saying that all people are as bad as they could be. I'm saying all people are as bad off as they could be. The Spirit of God is what changes us. The Spirit of God is what changed all of us in this place. Before we were the spiritual men and women... We were the natural men and women who could not grasp the true plan of God. But the Spirit invaded, and the Spirit changed, and the Spirit transformed. In verse 15, he says, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no one. Now, some of you run out of here and said, See, I ain't got to talk to anybody about my issues in life. It's not what it means. It simply means that they're not like the natural man of trying to grasp and understand. They've come to the knowledge of what Christ Jesus has done. They value the cross. They value Christ. They value the church. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. In other words, God, in his work and in his wisdom allowed us to be a part of his plan and to know his plan. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said that I have not called you just to be my servants, but I've called you to be what? My friends. Because I have not hidden these things from you. In other words, you're my friend because I've shared with you my plan and my purpose and who I am. And because of that, we are able to discern and know the plan of God. Now there's the spiritual, there's the natural. But very briefly, I want to say to you that there's a third group. It's not totally distinct from the first, but a third group he mentions, beginning in chapter 3. And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as the spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Notice what he says. 
He says, I'm writing to you, but I can't really talk to you as spiritual. Now, he just went on this big expose that there are spiritual people. And if you've received the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, that you are spiritual, that you've been saved. He just talked all about that. And then he turns around and says, but you know what? I can't talk to you quite as spiritual people, but rather as carnal. Now, these are believers. They fall in that spiritual category. But these are individuals... These are individuals that are not maturing in Christ. They're babes in Christ. They eat the wrong thing. He eats the wrong thing. He thinks the wrong thing. He acts the wrong way. That's this believer. This is a believer that is carnal, the carnal man. He thinks, he eats wrongly, he thinks wrongly, he acts wrongly. That's really what he says. He says... I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are still not able. He says you are, you are spiritual, but you're not able to really eat the things that you should eat. Now look, when you have children, you have young children, they're growing up, what do you feed them? You give them milk, you give them that kind of mush stuff that's called baby food. I asked Lloyd to go back there and see if he could find me some. He brought me a baby food container. I was thinking I could put some stuff in this, some baby food this morning, and see at the end of service if any one of you would be takers on coming and trying this stuff. Do you know how nasty baby food looks? Thank you, God. After 11 years, we are out of diapers, and now we are out of baby food. My house will smell normal again. But there's a consistency of baby food that is needed and necessary at the moment to give babies the nutrition. But when you grow up, thank God you can throw the baby food away and you can show up at Mike Brister's house and he'll cook you a steak, right? That's today. Remember. There's something better. And Paul says, I want to feed you. And yet I haven't been able to feed you because you're carnal. Because you're still fleshy. You're still fleshly, he says. You're, you're still thinking about the way the world thinks. You don't eat right. You don't think right. They're envy, strife, he says, among you. You're jealous. You're thinking of all the other people. You're thinking of yourself. He said you don't think right. He says you don't act right. Because he says... There are divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? When you're not acting right, it brings disunity. Perhaps the true mark of maturity is being able to disagree with other people without becoming disagreeable. And here, disunity was, an, was obviously a fact of immaturity. So he says... You're spiritual, you, and I should talk to you as spiritual, but you still got a ways to go. You still need to mature. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk more about this maturing, growing. But what I would ask you today again is, what kind of man are you? What kind of woman are you? One, are you a spiritual man? Has the Spirit of God changed your life and transformed you? 
Are you saved? Have you been birthed into the family? Or are you a natural man? You still say, I can't make heads and tails out of this gospel thing. I can't understand what you're talking about. All this stuff, I just can't. Are you a natural man? If you are, would you allow God to work in your life? Would you pray? Would you seek Him? And would you allow the God Spirit to birth you into His family as you have faith and trust in Him? But maybe in that third category, a lot of us are there perhaps today. We should be spiritual. We're saved. And yet we have not matured past those elementary beginnings. Remember I said to you the test of all of us as believers? Do we look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday? Some of us have been saved quite a while. I've been saved now for 24 years or so. You didn't think I was that old, did you? 24 years. And I constantly ask myself, Am I more in love with him today than I was 24 years ago? Am I more committed to my relationship with him today than I was 24 years ago? Do I look differently? Am I changed? Am I transformed? Am I looking more like Jesus now? I say to you, there's still ways for me to go. But by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and the work of God and the Word of God, He brings maturity each and every day. Where are you? What kind of man or woman are you? How would you respond to him? Maybe today you simply need to be saved. Maybe today you need to come and say, hey, I need to grow. I've stopped. I need to grow. Today I need to feast upon the steaks, not upon the baby food. Would you hear God's call to you, his work in your life? And would you respond as we have this moment of invitation? Let's pray together. Father, we bless your name this morning. We thank you for spiritual wisdom and discernment that you give us, grant us. And God, I pray that this morning, in this place, that, Lord, you would save those who are lost, that you would encourage those who believe. Father, that you would help your gospel be known and take root here in our lives. Even for those of us who need to grow, give us courage this day to admit that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we have this moment of of invitation?